until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast, the final show of 2019. My name is Max Curtin and joined as always is my co-host Jesse. Going to begin the decade as I started masturbating, crying and alone, Benz. That's me and that is my new name. It's been changed by Depole and I feel like 2020 is looking bright. Yes, Depot's a good word. Good good strong start there, Jesse. It is the end of a year. It's an end of a decade. How are you feeling? Like if you had to chart your success from January 2010 to now, where are we at? Okay, so um actually when you put it like that, it's been all right, isn't it? So let's see, 2010. Um I was 20 years old. Well, 19 when 2010 started, but I was 20 that year. Good man. Um yeah, so I became an adult. I was no longer a teenager in the year 2010. That's important, I think. Um, we, you and I moved in together for a short time um, no. early on in this decade. That was good times. Um, I started a band. I finished a band last week. So um, a lot's happened in this 10 years. And I feel like I'm a grown man. I was born in a zero year. So every time it's a zero year, it means I'm entering a new phase of my life, right? Like a new decade. So I'm ready I'm ready for what my 70s are going to bring me. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the calculations easier, i got to admit. It's, it, it's it does. Good. You're a zero year as well. I'm a zero year. Same well. zero year, in fact. Yeah, it makes life a lot easier. But um, I don't know where I was going with that. I had a point to make, but it's gone now. What so. about yours? How was your... Where, what were you doing at the beginning of this decade compared to now? Uh, January 2010, I was living in Canada. Well, isn't that a coinky-dink? Hey, what a link. There you go. Why is it a link? <laughs> it's a link because we have the third member of the Got Till 5 news team. Steve, I wish I knew where the weed began, and I stopped Fingerstars from the podcast joining us. Welcome, my good friend. Thank you for having me once again, and always again, as I like to say on my own show. Yeah, you got a little catchphrase. Do you, do you have that on a t-shirt? <laughs> I like it. I know, right? I should do that. No, I. it's just too hard. I'm like the NWO. I just have the one t-shirt, black and white, the podcast. That's it. You get it. You got it. Done. I love it. I love it. So we were talking about this, Steve, behind your back, sure. obviously. Okay. Um, and why? So you start every podcast with the same spiel. Why don't right. you just pre-record it? Because then it's not authentic. And then, and then some days, like, come on, you guys know how it is. Some day, and plus, I'm a smoker. Of weed, that is. So my voice sometimes is a bit more raspier than another day. And then what if it doesn't sound the same? Or what if the tone is a little bit off, right? You can't have it perfect all the time. And and I'm sort of a perfectionist. So you don't want it to sort of like, um, this, hello, welcome to the podcast. And then like, then your guest comes in and then you're talking like this. Exactly. (laughs) Fair enough. Well argued. And plus, I'm a normal human being. I have different moods. So maybe one day I'm more upbeat. Maybe another day I'm a little bit down and out. You never know, right? So He's always got an answer. That's true. But it's a good answer. Authenticity is important. I appreciate that. We should take notes back because I don't feel like I've ever been authentic in my life. (laughs) This whole two, three years, whatever, right now, it's been a horrible lie. Horrible, horrible lie. And yeah, we started the podcast this decade. That's exciting. We're we're entering a new decade with this podcast. Well, that's true, but... That's like that's not really an achievement for anyone because someone could start something like next week and they'd still have started it the previous decade, the week after. Do you know what I mean? I fully intend to do that. 
Yeah, right. Let's just start everything at the end of 2019. <laughs> We've been going for like two decades, guys. Let's just start yeah. this or something. See, that's it. The reason we are focusing so much on the word decade, if you had not mentioned, not only is it a cool word, but if you listen to our last episode, uh, which was released last Friday, we spoke about the top five moments in wrestling from 2010 to now. So we were focusing on all the cool little nuances that happen, but not the matches. And on this week's episode, we're talking about the actual wrestles and the graps and all that kind of stuff. So we're looking at the top five wrestling matches of the 2010s, which is why we've recruited Steve. Final episode of the year. We wanted to have him on. He's going to help us kind of pick some matches. So we're going to have a full 10 for once, even though we're a top five. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's okay. So you okay. can break the rules. Like you said, it's the end of the decade. Anything goes. Exactly. We were going to do a quiz for you, but I ran out of time today. I was very busy, Steve. So uh, I was actually looking forward to it, too. I, I have the same quiz from last time, so I could just fire that through and see if you were paying attention or not. Yeah, but I heard the last episode, so. Yeah, but you, you smoked <laughs> quite a lot of weed. That is true. <laughs> so I'm excited. Jesse, are you excited? I'm always excited. Um, it's um, a bit later than normal. This is Got Till Five After Dark, which I think we've done once before with Comic Book Chap that we interviewed. Do you remember? Because we had to adhere to his American Times, and now we're adhering to Canadian Times. Well, so it's quite exciting that it's all dark outside. Well, when you were in Dallas, I had to do these after hours because I was on Steve's podcast and I had to do it at yep. like half ten in the evening. So uh, well, I was busy being a rooting tooting cowboy. You were. <laughs> Jesus with your assless Christ. chaps and your... <laughs> all oh, chaps man. are assless max <laughs> <laughs> the word assless is irrelevant yeah but it, it drives my point home jesse that's the point <laughs> it drives and i'm gonna drive my assless chaps <laughs> right up your oh, ass uh steve aren't you glad you agreed to do uh, these ones when you are on our turf and not on yours you know what i thought i didn't miss jesse but actually i do miss jesse see <laughs> You knew you did. And before I, before we get into all of this, I, I feel like it's important that Steve plugs his shit and tells everyone what's coming up. Before you know. people stop listening. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> like flying, Steve. Yeah, you never know. That is true, right? So anyways, upcoming, obviously, I'm going to have the DP Awards, which you guys have graciously sent me your, well, what is it? In, not introduction. What the fuck is it called? Yeah, award introduction. I guess award introduction. Uh, we presenter. list the nominees, don't we? Yeah. That's it. You guys are a presenter of an uh, of an award. That there you go. There's a technical term for you. God, Jesse's the logic of this podcast this evening. Okay. <laughs> Wait, that's in our future, by the way, Max. You and me are going to be presenters one day, full time presenters. I can oh, yeah. feel it in my loins. Oh yeah. Hey, why not? So yeah, I got that up and coming in the new year. I believe it's the second week of January. It drops. So stay tuned for that. I'll be rolling out all the nominees, and obviously, you guys are nominated. You guys are up for favorite podcast host of the year Ooh. oh that's nice who are we up against no one good <sighs> let me see here actually should i pull it up you, you should pull it, to pull it up here? pull it off if anything <laughs> no i gotta pull it down not up. <laughs> while steve's doing that um speaking of us becoming hosts could you just like pirate mutiny take over the pointless studios text me i'll come and we'll just we'll just become pointless become the new quiz show hosts i think we could definitely um we could definitely outperform Xander and Richard, couldn't we? Would you be Would you be Xander or Richard? Um, I think I'm awkward enough to be Xander. I'm not quick-witted like Richard. You'd be the Richard of the group. Fair enough. And I get to sit down. Bonus. And you get to sit down, which is great. And nice. uh, So I feel like, yeah, this, this is what we're going to take. I'm also concerned that you've mentioned Got Till 5 to get onto this TV show. They're going to listen to the latest listen. episode, and they're going to be scared. 
You know what, as well? We should probably shut up about it because I only just remembered that um, they've sent me, like, documents and stuff and it's quite clear oh, on the no. documents that you shouldn't talk about it on social media and Have stuff. you signed an NDA? Well, maybe, but they didn't say, they didn't say, they didn't say on it. There was no mention on it of talking on podcasts. All they said was, like, posted on social media and stuff. So hey, I think we're in the clear. That's the BBC's oh. fault, isn't it? So uh... Yeah, so we're all fine. <laughs> Okay, and moving on. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who are we Please. Against? So, you're up against Brian Fonseca from Ain't Hard to Tell. That's a sports podcast. Sounds shit. Uh, you, know this, <laughs> you know this gentleman, Benjamin Banks and Travis from Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Oh, that motherfucker. Oh, God. If he screws he's, us. He's, uh, yeah. He's from the South of America like me, isn't he? Now that I've been to Texas once. <laughs> like me. That is true. Yes. <laughs> And then I got uh, comedians Andrew Chavone and Stephen Rogers from Panic Attacking Podcast. Actually, funny story. Chavone is spelled Shavani, and yes, no he is related to Tony Shavani. They are cousins. No but way. it's pronounced Chavone because Chavone is how I've always said Shiviani's surname as a joke. Right. No, but that's how you actually pronounce it. He told me, I don't know if, when I had him on if he explained it or not, but uh, the whole point is he had problems of people pronouncing it, so he changed it to Shavani. So is so Shivani has Hollywooded up his name, and when we take the piss, calling it Shavone, that's actually what it is. Exactly. That's right. amazing. You're ahead of the curve, Jesse Benz. God, I'm so fucking gifted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that's a cool Next. little link, though. <laughs> no, it is right. And that's amazing. When I saw how's he, it, how's I he related to him? I think they're either first or second cousins, so they're actually pretty close. They, I don't know if they're that close, but they are. They know of each other, so. Well, I know of him. I know of him. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Brilliant. So um, can you just bombard him with questions about when Tony Schiavone um, worked in Starbucks next time you talk to him, please? I should. I should. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of that for sure. I feel like yeah, Jesse is going to throw the voting curve to get them to win. So they're on the podcast <laughs> for Steve to ask that question. And I'm not okay with it. It is, yeah, maybe. But it's... It's all right. No, it's fine. We'll win. We'll definitely win. We'll rig the voting as we always do, Max. It's cool. <laughs> Hello, sure, Russia. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got uh, another comedian, James Camacho, with I'm Just a Kid podcast. Uh, Kevin Ryan, another comedian. A lot of comedians. Hard Feelings podcast. And lastly, Adam Hunter from the MMA Roasted podcast. Ooh, this is stiffer competition than normal, Steve. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not liking this. You guys are against, I know you're against legit podcasts. Okay. Yeah, man, like, right. we can't compete with reality, Max. Time to do. time to do some murders, Jesse. Like, uh, I've been waiting to do a murder. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god! So let's not talk much more about me. So I got that coming up, and the 150th episode is about to drop in a week or two, as of this airing. So stay tuned for that. That's when I drop actually all the full nominees for the DP awards. And just some cool shit up and coming. I'm going to be sitting down with two wrestlers discussing conspiracy theories. So look out for that episode coming soon. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. You're not going to tell us who the wrestlers are? Fine. If they don't show up, it's their own fault. So now they got to show up for sure. They've been on the show before. And now we've actually been, we're actually close and friends. And we actually legit talk to each other. So I'm going to have Tyson Dukes on and Crazy Steve. Ah, Crazy Steve. And Tyson Dukes will be in studio. Nice. This is crazy with two Z, Steve, right? Yes. You, you don't remember Decay from TNA? No. Who? 
the key. Tag team, he was tag team with Abyss, and they won the tag titles with Rosemary and that whole little thing they had going. T- TNA is is that that girl you don't want to remember, Steve. After a, oh. after a couple of wines at the bar, that's what TNA well, is. They were involved in the whole fucking Hardy storyline, the whole alternate universe shit, whatever they were doing. <sighs> the 2010s were a dark decade. Wow. Well, I guess we won't be talking about TNA then. <laughs> not personally. I guess not. Uh, but but Steve, if you were if you were now mates with him, would what? you honestly, in your heart, say that you knew all that? No, I actually did. I, I, you know what? Until, and it sucks to say, until the Canadian company Anthem bought TNA, I was one of those guys who just, I don't know, like, like that fucking girlfriend you just keep going back to. I don't know why I just kept doing it, and it was just there, and so I kept watching, watching, and then finally I'm like, fuck this, I gotta cut the cord. I went cold turkey, and I never looked back. Smart there you man. go, fair Smart enough. Man. Oh, I just want to talk about this all evening. I just like having a catch up with you two. <laughs> right? The top five is a bit of a bit of a hall like at this point, in all honesty. I know. So before before we jump in, let's just quickly let's do some sure. more formalities. Um, Steve, what are you doing of for Christmas? Oh yes. You know what? Probably nothing. Just relaxing w- with the missus, seeing some family, and that's about it. Nothing special, really. Family coming to you, or are you going to them? No, I don't like my family, so I'm just going to go see my one niece that I just talked to, and that's about it. Everyone else could literally fuck off. How, like, how, Hitler on. got on well with his niece as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got I to gotta figure out the age of the niece because like, if she's still living at home with other family, you're just going to walk in with your hand over your eyes and just talk to her? Like, What's the deal with that? No, she's married and she has a child of her own. <laughs> Remember, I'm old. I'm in my 40s. Right? That so. is true. That is true. But still... <laughs> Niece, what is the niece relationship? Is that like brother, daughter? It, it's kind of weird. Like uh, when she was born, I was eleven, right? So I pretty much took care of her as a, a young, a ch- I guess, as a child myself. I've changed her diaper, I've done all that, and then as I got older, her dad wasn't in the picture, which is my brother. Long story short, I ended up moving in and taking pretty much care of her, and I literally taught her everything that she knows today. I even had the birds and the bees talk with her. How awkward was that? Don't even ask. But I actually did that with her. I Literally, I was her father growing up. So it, so it started as a brother-sister relationship, then it blossomed into like a father-daughter relationship. So to me, she's like the daughter I never had. That's beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Steve, I feel like you got some demons that I want to exercise one day. <laughs> Ooh, we could do a whole episode on that, my friend. Oh, could you imagine, Jesse? We could go full love line on this shit. We should do, you know, we've been trying to think of like a new podcast idea. Just fuck okay. up Steve. It would be amazing, right? Every week, we just like, just delve further into the psyche. Oh, God. Either two things are going to happen. Either by the end, I'm going to fly to England and kill both of you guys, or yep. I'm going to shrivel up and talk like this and just be a withered old man because I'm just so depressed. <laughs> you know what? I'm good with either option. Yeah, either way, think of the ratings. <laughs> this is true. And, and then you could even document me going through the airport, waiting and then twitching, waiting to get on the plane to get you guys. And everything. Oh, this is a good TV. Oh, my goodness. Jesse, prepare Brilliant. for the new decade. I'm ready. Yep, yeah, this is it. This is the decade of um, of Steve's psyche. Got till finger styles <laughs> coming 2020. I like it. There you go. <laughs> okay. What about you guys? What do you guys got going for Christmas? Uh, I think we're both having kind of a chill one this year. Like I'm not actually seeing you this Christmas, which is which is a a new phenomenon. 
Yeah, sorry. So for the first time ever, um, me and my lovely lady are hosting a Christmas. I'll be oh. only only with my mum. But we've like we're staying at home. My mum's coming over. We're um, gonna we're actually going out for a meal, which saves a lot of um, time in the kitchen, which is just um, dull in it um, for her. Wait, well, wait, wait to skip over you and me hanging out and just going to your love. Like fuck you. What are you on about? We're, we're hanging I out. Ta- I was talking about how we weren't going to see each other for Christmas, and you were like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Oh, we'll see each oh. other. We'll see each other. No, it's, <laughs> we're seeing each other for Wrestle Kingdom. That's our special Christmas. Oh, that is true. That's, all, that is that's true. our special day. Isn't it? I, so is, is that your code word for gay? It for is funny. our code word yeah. for gay. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> what we call it? It's very long-winded. <laughs> it is. I'm going to do you right, in your Tokyo Dome. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, but yeah I, um wrestle kingdom it's gonna be lovely jesse's gonna come over and we're gonna hang out it's just me and him all weekend oh it's gonna be magical yeah but isn't it a two-day event this year it is isn't that what i heard yeah but it falls oh. on a weekend which is perfect oh so then there you go nice yeah saturday sunday put bang sorted and it Not all ends like that. with naito holding both bouts triumphantly and, and i can kill myself <laughs> What a lovely wow. end. Again, like, let's just make sure we podcast that because the race teachers will be lovely. <laughs> just you filming me hanging loosely. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's play a top five drop, shall we? Let's, let's, let's at least pretend that we're going to go into the This is getting out of hand. Yeah, let's okay, pretend. let's go for it. Shoot. Five. Are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. You fans can stick it, brother. Who's your daddy, Montreal? Tell me he didn't just say that. gives you shivers every time. By the way, the intro at the start of the show, listeners, is the last time that you're going to hear that intro. What? What? You making a new one? It's ending. Because we had a discussion last time and you wanted a more scary intro. Oh. Yes, I do. Have you, have you been making one? I've been making one. Ah, I want I want scar music, Steve. I want upbeat, like, I want trumpets and upbeat guitar going through it. I think I think 2020, I think Scar Punk's going to come back this decade and I'm jumping on the bandwagon early. Yeah, we're, we're getting a jump on it. So, uh, yeah, got till five, the, that... Because it's a bit slow. Do you right, Steve? Does it pump you up when you when you hear it? Yeah, but I like slow. Like, have you guys not heard my fucking intro song? It's as slow as shit, right? It's a nice slow melodic beat that you just chill to. Who so, recorded to me, that, by the way? I've always wanted to ask that. I do not know. Someone on the internet that gave it out for free. Nice. My favorite kind of person on the internet. Right? <laughs> we do that. This podcast is free for people. Yeah, but they, like, recorded a drop for him. That's that's nice. Steve hasn't even remembered their name. <laughs> ah, we, way to think of the little man on the way to the top, Steve. Jesus Christ. They don't listen to the show anyways. If they did and we were still in contact, sure, but uh, whatever. Who even knows if they're even making music anymore, right? So That's true. Pro- also, probably dead. Let me talk, <laughs> or that. Or that. Let, let me talk to England for a second. Hello, looking, England. Hello, England. I was looking at Everything's stats. going to be okay. <laughs> I think this is the issue. I was looking at the stats of the last episode and like listenership is great, you know, still on kind of the good up and up, but mm. literally no listeners from England. Really? Not one. 
Where are we? So what? The states? America, we're fucking massive. It's America. weird. Is it? Is America. it because we're? Is it because we're cheeky English chappies? Maybe, but I, I don't Maybe. know if the, the election here made everyone jump out the window. But just no <laughs> listeners on the last episode. That's that's very strange. I, I'm, I'm conspiracy theory. So you know, I, I wonder. Well, God, Steve. I was just going to say, I wonder if there's a correlation with my problem too. Maybe it's just people from your own country do not like to support you because I have the same problem. Like Canadian citizenship, uh, citizenship wow. Canadian listen- listenership is like garbage. I got more listeners in Mongolia than I do in Canada. <laughs> so you, like, you know what I mean? Like the top is like I have the States, then it's the UK. And then uh, I can't remember the third one, Spain for some reason. And then it's like Canada. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? So I I have the same problem as you guys do. But the thing is, like, we've had a good amount of English listeners before. Like, last episode, great, fine. This one, nothing. I don't know. Well, I know at least least one that listened. Um, Our dear friend Cromie, who came to um, my gig last week, um, walked in um, to my gig. I think he expected me to be out back, but I wasn't. I was out front, so I sort of saw him. Went, ah, I went over and said, oh, hello, mate, how are you? And he was like, fucking hell. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong? And he said he had um, his earphones in, and he was listening to the last episode of our podcast. So he had me shouting at him in his earphones, and then I ran up to him. <laughs> yeah, hello, mate. And so he had me, he had like 4D Jesse, which I think um, terrified him. Chris did the same when I met him in London. He uh, he was listening to us on the way, way up, and he went, Oh, you guys are very funny, and I was like, I don't know what you mean. He's um, yeah, he's he's very complimentary, isn't he? It's he is, I don't know how to react to. I don't do know how to react to it. I just went, thank you, Steve. Do you get people who like just tell you you're brilliant to your face? Oh, like, Steve has no... left, by the way. Oh, what? Where's Steve gone? I don't know. He's 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 gone somewhere. It just said Steve has left the chat. <laughs> oh God, no. he's got to come back. You haven't kicked him out again. Have you? No, I, I left it. Alone. Oh, he's coming back now. What what, what did you do? Jesus Steve. Christ! Oh, just gonna, just gonna. <laughs> That's the I'll say this. I mean, like this podcast is going off the rails, mate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Last year, no one's listening in December. I know. Honest. Last episode felt a bit erratic as well. I feel like we've completely lost our flow. <laughs> did is... we have a flow? No, I suppose not. But this is like less. This has just gone terrible. <laughs> yeah. well, it's just thoroughly depressed me. Oh, I don't even think I'm going to edit this. This is just going to be all in, so uh, we, we yeah, cannot fine. let any oh, silence come going. in. So you... as I was saying, um, so yeah, um, Chris, who will be listening to this, and we love it when you do it, Chris, but because we're sort of humble people, it's just weird when someone <laughs> tells you that you're good. <laughs> Every <laughs> single person listening to this is laughing the way I did maniacally at us being humble. <laughs> but when someone like to your face like over a beer or something it just says oh yeah oh like you're, what you're doing is brilliant like you're so good it's just like it's weird so what do you do you sort of oh, thank you like as well, like, listeners listeners I did a Randy if Orton you do pose. tell it with your lives <laughs> you might understand this feeling <laughs> I just stood up and Randy Orton posed till you left and uh, nice. that, that, that was my evening <laughs> just stood there for like minutes until he just got up and shuffled out with her. Like, do, do, you want, do you want a beer why is Steve not talking Jesus Christ! Like Where how is hard Steve? is this? He's, he's right there, but it's just—it's like he's a mute deaf in the in the corner of the room. He must be. I assume we can. I'm going to kick him out, and I'm going to Steve. If you can hear this, just get back in. I disconnected Steve. I wish I knew where the weed began, and I stopped fingerstyles. 
this is a nightmare of epic proportion. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like the view, the listenership on podcasts in December just just falls d- dramatically. Yeah, we're not helping the cause at all. <laughs> no, and I, I, I want to add to the problem. I mean, I can play you know some what I've been listening to recently. Um, it's, I mean, it's a podcast, but it's not a podcast. There's an Island Discs, mate. You ever listen to it? Yeah, yeah, we've spoken about Island Discs before. Have we? Steve, is this fucking working now or what? What the fuck did you do? I don't know. I got too excited when I heard the, the Mexican music and it just made me go all crazy. I think I unplugged something and I started dancing. You don't want to know what started happening over here. There's a sombrero on his head. Where did that come from? Yeah, but not on the head you think of, so don't worry. Hey. After dark. <laughs> exactly. oh, he's back. So I don't think we're going to edit um, you dropping out and coming back in. So uh, that's gold. a little adventure we've all been on. Welcome back, everyone. Perfect. We're back on Love the show. It. No, Steve, we were talking about um, me and Jesse are quite famous in this country. And we were wondering if you experience the same <laughs> level of fame when people say it's your face and how you react to it. No, one's have, uh, no one has ever told me that I'm doing well on the podcast. It's good. I feel like you with an ego would be dangerous. But I don't have an ego. Yeah, but like the podcast if someone is doing would... well, like like mm. if I was to say about the numbers and all this, and look how many sponsors I have, and all the special guests I get week after week. Come on, man. See, it's, no. it creeps in. It creeps in. <laughs> He's turning into Jericho. <laughs> AEW Jericho is what Steve will be. It is there. That's like I was chatting to someone the other day, and they were like um, on Facebook, and they put this thing saying. Um, Oh man, I uh, helped a homeless person the other day. Like, I gave them loads of food oh, and um, offered them a bed to sleep. But I'm, I'm not going to post it on Facebook because that would be taking away the achievement. And it's like, well, you just put that in a comment on Facebook to something I was saying. Which, so you, <laughs> you've you've essentially, you've done, yeah, you've done what you said you wouldn't do. Like, I know your game. Exactly, Jesse, and that's just not okay in my book. No, I agree. Anyway, we've played the drop. We need to get into some actual wrestling. Oh, yeah. Um, we should do this, if, yes. If we must. Um, Steve, <laughs> you are our guest. Um, basically, if we have a crossover this time, we're still going to curse Steve out, but we're going to have a backup, much to the chagrin of Jesse Benz, because um, there's a lot of lot of good stuff happened this, this decade, guys. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yes. So, Fine. It is true. Let's get into it. And- Steve. Finger Styles, that podcast yes. hit me with number five of the great... Now, let me just get the gravity across, Steve. We're talking about the greatest sure. matches of the decade. And if you fuck this up, I'm never talking to you again. Again, this is in my opinion. And remember, we have age difference. So I might like different stuff than you millennials like, right? So- you're not... You're a fuck. What, what year were you born? <laughs> 79. Okay, you're not a millennial. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm not a boomer. All right, boomer, number five. All right. It, I don't know if mine are in any particular order, but I'm going with, I guess, what I liked at the time and what was going on in my life and whatever. And just the overall, everything about the match, you know what I mean? From start to finish. So my number five is... Ricochet versus Will Ospreay at Best of the Super Juniors in 2016. Oh, that is a good shout. Nice. Is this the first one? Because I know um, they have. I believe so. I hope I'm not, because I'm not a real New Japan fan. Like, I dip in and out a lot of it. So I know what's going on, sort of, but I really can't 
remember dates, so I hope I'm not putting my foot in my ass, but this is the one that everyone was talking about. Yeah, that I think yeah, Vader yeah. said, if I'm not mistaken, it was Vader called it just a flippy match. It was all choreographed. It didn't even look like a wrestling match. So this is the one I'm specifically talking about. Yes, yeah. I, loved the, I loved this match as well. I've watched it um, many times, like probably over 10 times since it happened. It's, now that it's a great with me because you're a very anti-flippy shit person. I am an anti-flippy shit person, but this this match was so deliberately over the top flippy. It almost yes. took on an ironic quality. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and I think that's why. Because I'm not a big flippy guy either, mind you. I love Ray Phoenix for some reason and everything that he does. Because it's just what the fuck? No human being should be able to do that. Yeah. So to see Ricochet and Will Ospreay being like video game characters as well, it's like no, nah, this, this this is unique. This is some once in a lifetime shit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's. I also like this because it did crack that mainstream. Like Will Ospreay is the only person who can kind of seem to. Whenever you're on Reddit, it cracks the, you know, subreddit. So have you seen this shit or what the fuck? And it's just like always Osprey and Ricochet just doing crazy. I think it was the springboard into the Hurricane Rana, and it was just so fluid that everyone just couldn't mm. comprehend how it was done. Right. So, yeah, these two are, like, we all know my personal feelings about Will Ospreay at this point, but <laughs> what a decade the guy has had, and just this past year alone of 2019, mm-hmm. the dude is ridiculously talented, and I'll never say that again in my life, but he, <laughs> <laughs> but the mm. two of them are just magic in a bottle together. Oh, yeah, and I do not really want to see... Well, I do want to see Will Ospreay in WWE, but I don't because it's you're not going to get this type of match in a way in hell, unless they do it somehow in NXT. Yeah, yeah, and but I don't know, even... Like, Ricochet has been toned down if you do look at his style, but even oh, toned down Ricochet is, is still ridiculous. Yeah, I guess you could compare it to, like, AJ Styles, right? It's not the same AJ Styles, but you still get a glimpse of it, so it's still there, so you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know how, like, because, again, I haven't watched this match since it first came out in 2016, right? So I went back and I was watching the highlights today, and I was like, oh, fuck, Ricochet used to be like this. That's right. And yeah. you're saying what you're saying, but I think if you go back and watch old Ricochet, you're going to be like, what the fuck? He's, he's not the same person. I have that with a lot of matches on this list of people kind of moving on to new endeavors, and I've, I've been watching a couple of matches before we came on air this evening, and it is very much like, holy shit, this is, you know. Right. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. 2016 to 2017 is the greatest year two years of wrestling like i've ever seen like 2017 for wrestling was ridiculous yeah as far as as far as quality like you know take the storylines away which were all a bit shit and stuff like that the actual quality of the athleticism was like yeah it peaked definitely then i agree with you yeah completely and and osprey and ricochet as you say that they shouldn't be able to do the shit they did and vader getting angry and then working himself into a match with osprey i think at Ro- right? Ro- or ring of honor it happened that <laughs> yeah, uh, something like that it's yeah it's somewhere i think it's something they'd all rather forget i mean vader has forgotten it because he's dead but um <laughs> wow <laughs> uh, um, I think Osprey uh, went on record saying he regrets ever ever agreeing to have a match with Vader. It was stupid. Osprey loves right. his money. He loves yes, his money. He does. But it split the wrestling community down in half this match. Like everyone yeah. was either it's too flippy ship gymnastics and kind of mm-hmm. exposes the the fakeness of the business, and the other half was like this is sports entertainment. This is like the entertainment style of wrestling that we're now used to. And I'd be interested to see where you both kind of fall on that spectrum. You first, Steve. 
Uh, see, I like a little bit of both because, again, I oh, grew we up in the Attitude Era, right? So, if okay, how about this? If I was to put storyline of the Attitude Era with the wrestling today, fantastic. Now, mind you, I can't go back and watch the 80s shit because that's just rest holds and grappling and stuff like that. So, I don't mind. Okay, if and, like uh, I guess AJ Styles to me is the perfect wrestler. Like, you know what I mean? He does wrestle, he knows submission moves, and he could do the flippy shit. And you put it all together and you get pretty much AJ Styles, right? So mm-hmm. to me, I like I know it's a cop out, but if I actually had to choose one or the other, I would probably go. I hate to say it, the flippy shit, because again, it's a spectacle. It's something you don't see every day. I think that's fair, Jesse Benz. Uh, so I'd say um, I'm not a huge fan of flippy shit. I think the odd sort of flip or bit of athleticism certainly has its place. Um, whereas, but by contrast, I love this match because, like I said, it almost feels ironically flippy. And also, I would have different feelings about this match if it was on a pay-per-view or a big show or something like that, like a big televised show. I'd probably feel differently about it. But it was just the best Super Juniors. I mean, it was filmed, obviously, because we've all seen it, but all the matches are filmed now because of New Japan World and stuff. And it was just a small little house show for New Japan, you know, going through their best of Super Juniors tournaments things. And Ricochet and Will Ospreay just had what a match that showcased what they're both really fucking good at and mm-hmm. because everything's filmed nowadays it became a massive thing i don't think they did it i don't think they set out to um have this match that the whole wrestling world would freak the fuck out about they just right. had a great match together and had a bit of fun and flipped about and it wasn't on this big show it wasn't at wrestle kingdom or something like that so because of that I'm okay with it, if that makes sense. No, but I think that's a perfect summary because it, it was best of Super Juniors. It was day, it was random middle day in the middle of the show. And as you're right, mm-hmm. they must have just had that chat backstage and being like, let's just show them what the Super Juniors can do. Yeah. And I think that's perfect. So, uh, Steve, good choice. I, I did actually forget about this match. Ha ha. Ha ha. Good choice. One, one for the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a match you're going to forget about, Steve, as well. This is a a Jesse Benz original choice. And don't get mad, Jesse. Just because I'm putting it at number five doesn't mean it's any less of the others, but the others have slightly more importance in history. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. So it's uh, Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville at TakeOver for the NXT title. Jesse, take it away. This match, um, talking about what you love about wrestling and stuff, like this match is the perfect match for me because um, it's it's got a little bit of flippy shit in, as it would with Neville being in the match. Um, but also you look at someone like Sami Zayn, who is just such a gifted storyteller, and, mm-hmm. and and Neville as well, he played his part perfectly. But like Sami Zayn being this underdog who was losing all the time in NXT, this sort of storyline, underdogs in WE's mind don't get over. They obviously do. We've seen Daniel Bryan get over and Sami Zayn in NXT as well. But you look at like the John Cena, the Hulk Hogan's, the Stone Colds. These are people that just kick ass constantly. They very deliberate. They didn't do it deliberately with Daniel Bryan. It was an accident that he got over, right? Sami Zayn, it was a very deliberate thing. They deliberately made him lose all the time and turned him into the biggest babyface in NXT at the time. And that led to this match, which is just stunning. Neville wasn't technically a heel here, but he was sort of flirting with it a bit because he was against Sami Zayn. And he was just, he played his part perfectly. 
Sami Zayn as the underdog coming up and winning the title, nearly cheating, but not just crowd so invested in it, man. And they're not invested in it because people are being dropped on their heads or because you'll see it a 450 splash or any shit like that. They're invested in it because they've been watching Sami Zayn over the last few weeks. This dude that they can relate to because he hasn't got this ripped six pack. He's not like built like a brick shit house. He just seems like a pretty normal dude. When he does his promos, he's just talking like a dude, right? He's not talking like the normal wrestlers. Just a really relatable guy. Everyone's on his side. And Sammy does it. And it's just, it's a throwback to when the storylines in wrestling were really good. And you didn't watch matches because you expected to see this five-star fucking classic of athletic shit. You just watched it because you cared about the people. And I think that from a few years before this, fans hadn't cared about the actual person wrestling. And since, I don't think people have really cared about the actual person wrestling. But I think Sami Zayn got lightning in a bottle just with this match and winning the NXT title of just getting a crowd on side with a character that hasn't happened for a long, long time. That's why I love it. I'm going to put that up there with a speech from Independence Day with the president. That was... (laughs) You got a tear in my eye, Jesse. But do you agree? Is that do you um, do you remember this match, Steve? Bits and pieces. This is early NXT days where I didn't have the WWE network yet. So and up here in Canada, I don't think it was airing on any TV or anything. So it was hard to get at the time. So I don't. I, don't, I either started watching right when this happened or whatever. But again, anyways, it's early back in the day. But I still remember like the, obviously the story leading up to it. I remember all that shit. And you, like I said, I don't know what else to add. You said it perfectly. Like it was. It felt like it was an organic story that happened and you wanted it to happen and it was perfect. Like you can't tell a better story than what they did with Sami Zayn, right? And I think it's a match that stands the test of time as well. Like you talk a lot about great matches and it's great because you're in the moment, you don't know the results that's going to happen. This match is great because you can still watch it. I know the outcome and I know everything's going to happen in that match, but it's still Mm. great because of, as Jesse said, the storytelling and just the emotion in each wrestler and the fact that Neville was like, okay, so they're really on Sammy's side. I'm going to quickly switch to, to heel, which wasn't his persona, really made that match. And it's just so entertaining as a story. And that, and that's what wrestling should be. It should be a story that you're watching that you can go back to like an old good book and pick up and read again. I think this match kind of personifies that ideal. Exactly. Also, um, can you think, I can't think of one. I was just trying to think. I don't know if you'll be able to. I can't think of a single other match when you're watching a match, right? There's a clear baby face who the fans are all super behind. There's a moment in the match when the ref gets knocked out and there's a bell or a chair or something in the ring where you know your guy can pick it up and get away with it because the referee is knocked out. This is the only match I can think of where Sami Zayn picks up the belt he uses as a weapon because the ref is knocked out and all the fans are going, no, don't do it because we know that you're a better person than that. I can't think of a single other match where the fans wouldn't have gone, yeah, fuck yeah, just hit him with it because we want you right? to win. Yeah, um, I was yeah. going to say maybe like Eddie, but even everyone was cheering for him to do it because they could see the comedy yeah. angle behind it. Yeah, but, people yeah. love that shit. I think you're People right. didn't want Sammy to do it because they loved him too much. They knew he was too much of a good guy. It's it's amazing. I don't think anyone else has ever pulled that off. I, I guess the only person close would have been maybe Kofi. 
But yeah, yeah, mm, good, good argument. Even yeah. then, like, not to, because I know what you mean, there's that moment where he picks up the bout and the crowd are doing the opposite yes chant of the no, no, no. Um, and, and it's a moment that you can kind of feel. So, yeah, I think I think you're 100% correct, Jesse Benz. Yeah, powerful shit. Oh, I feel <laughs> emotional. Steve, you, you can't follow that. Go on. So you know what? Then I'm going to pick a shitty one. How about that? Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Till 5. Well, no. The, um, this one probably went under the radar for everybody. The, uh, I don't know why. I, I should have gone back to watch it because I didn't. But I remember in my head thinking at the time, this was the single-handedly greatest tag team match I've watched in at least 10 years, speaking of decades. This happened in 2014 in Ring of Honor. And it was Red Dragon, so Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Versus Adrenaline Rush, who comprises of ACH and Tadarius Thomas for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship at Ring of Honor 12th Anniversary Show. Oh, now I've got to be honest, I think Jesse will be in the same boat. I've not seen this match, so you you don't need to sell it to me because you've mentioned it of one of the best matches of the decade. So I will watch it after this match, but educate me. For some reason, I don't know, at the time, again, th- everyone knows the WWE was, like, tag team was non-existent. They pretty much buried it. I didn't even know why they had two belts at one time for the tag team division. There's literally nobody. Makeshift tag teams, like, you didn't see any real tag team wrestling, right? So I fell out of Ring of Honor for a bit, and then what brought me back in was that whole scum angle. And this was around that time, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or right before it happened. So I started seeing all these other guys on the independent scene, all my favorites now, like, uh, at the time... Um, What's, I was going to say Thomas Steen. Wow, am I ever bad? Kevin Steen <laughs> and Generico and all those guys were at their prime in Ring of Honor, right? So it brought me back in. And this was the first pay-per-view I saw in a long time from Ring of Honor. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was either the first or second. It was early on the match. And this is the first time I ever saw Red Dragon. And I've heard of ACH, but I never heard of Tadarius Thomas. And speaking of ballet and everything, it was just so perfect, the tagging in and out, the near falls. These are the stuff I really remember. And just the fluidity of the match. Like, there was no stalling. It was actually, they were following the rules. There was a little bit of rule breaking from Red Dragon, obviously. But other than that, I don't know. To me, it was one of the most perfect tag team matches in a long time, like I said. Because, again, I came from the era when the, the golden era of tag teams, like the British Bulldogs, the Rockers, the Heart Foundations, Demolition, you know what I mean? All these tag teams. And then it just stopped. And then to have it come back, and now luckily with NXT and everything, now there's actual tag team wrestling again in the world, thank God. But I was always a big tag team guy. I don't, I don't know. If they only had one division, I would probably just watch tag team wrestling for some reason. Like even old school Survivor Series were, mm-hmm. were great. I loved those. So to me, this brought me back to tag team wrestling and I loved it. So it might not be as good as I'm touting it. But again, you have to remember there was the dark ages. So from going from nothing to this, it felt like it was a million bucks. I've always said tag team wrestling is one of my, it is my favorite form of wrestling without a doubt. And um Ring of Honor during this period, it's so weird to see where Ring of Honor started the decade and where Ring of Honor is finishing the decade as TNA has better clout in the wrestling community than Ring of Honor does is just a baffling concept for me to get my head around. Um, Mm -hmm. But this era, you're right, 2014, 15, pretty much up until the golden era of 2017, like Ring of Honor was was fantastic. And Red Dragon as a tag team are insane like you could pick so many of their matches from the past decade um that showcase why they are that good and why they deserve as well man yeah ach you know without a doubt ach he's someone that i he's someone that i didn't know much about and i actually watched ring of honors 
I guess it would have been 15th anniversary show, which would have been back in 2016 or something. Um, and I only watched it because it was that, that you know, it's anniversary show. So, okay, I'll check this out. And it's the first time I saw ACH. He was in a six-man tag match. And I think Red Dragon were involved in that one as well. Um, but it's the first time I'd seen him. And holy shit, like, just next-level talent. Like, that mm-hmm. was insane the first time I saw him. Yeah, yeah, he's... It's a shame that he hasn't really got his break. Like, obviously, he's had this issues with NXT that he's been released from, and he almost had a trial at New Japan when he was doing the... What was it? Black Mask, Tiger Mask, something like that. Um, oh, yeah, he played... Um, yeah, he played Black Tiger, didn't he? Black yeah. Tiger, yeah, that was yeah. it. And that didn't work out. So it's a shame that no one's really been able to grab him. Like, it didn't work out in WE and NXT for very obvious reasons, but I'm really hoping someone like AEW picks him up or some UK promotion. I don't know, but it, it would be nice for him to kind of have that opportunity. Yeah, let's yeah, hope definitely. so. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great shout because um, we've mentioned on the podcast before, Red Dragons, especially picking Kyle O'Reilly out of that group. Um, mm-hmm. Me and Jesse were very, very skeptical when we found out he signed with NXT because we were massive fans of him in New Japan and we just went, it's not going to work. Not going to work right. at all. Uh, but as we now know, Undisputed Era, the most popular thing going in wrestling today. Right? Yeah. So and, I, I yeah, had to slip Kyle in. Riley's awesome. Yeah, I had to slip in a tag team and something from Ring of Honor in my list. So there you go. I killed had, two birds, one stone. You had to get a Canadian in as well. That's that's free birds. And you know what? Spoiler alert, that might be the only Canadian on my list. How Holy about that? shit. It's like I'm sitting down. Jeez. Um, and just quickly, we mentioned TNA. Sorry, Steve, this will be nothing sure. to you, but I watched a show uh, recently. Um guess do you know who dixie carr's cousin is max no deck from ant and deck really yes they're cousins wow they did ant and deck did an ancestry show on telly and they were like oh turns out i've got this cousin who um, runs this american wrestling business and there's this whole bit when they meet dixie carter and have a drink with her and stuff and then like dixie carter's um daughter freaks out because she knows ant and deck from britain's got talent and all this it's really weird Steve, if I could even begin to explain that to Deck, I would. But <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're English celebrities, Steve. They're they're a bit of they're a, more than that, Jesse. Me, me, yeah, me and Max fucking idolise Anton Deck. They're just presenters. They do like uh, Britain's Got Talent. Um, oh, I'm okay. a celebrity. Get me out of here. Shows like that. They present them, but they're sure. just the best double act ever. And yeah, turns out one of them's related to Dixie Carr, which is just the weirdest small world thing in the world. You know. Well, of course. That's yeah. Wow. Look, at you dropping the knowledge. There you go, knowledge dropper. Love it. <laughs> number number four on our end. Oh, it's getting. I haven't numbered these. Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's stick with the takeover theme, shall we? Just Benz. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, oh. Let's talk about maybe potentially. We mentioned it in the last episode as well of top five moments, and this was a match that we harnessed a moment in. It was the women's revolution. It's Bailey versus Sasha at Takeover Brooklyn, the very first mm. Takeover Brooklyn. Motherfuckers, that's my number two. Brap. Boom. There you Back go. Backup time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to wank away to number one just to spite us now. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make it my number yeah. three for sure. Oh, that's it. You're you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. <laughs> Uh, Bailey versus Sasha. Well, you can join in on the conversation, Steve, because you know how important this match is. It's. Yes. Um, I always watch this match when I'm either a little bit drunk or I'm a little bit hungover, and I get a little bit emotional when I watch it. That's that's a little fact for you. I uh, I don't know why. It's just I'm just so proud of them. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of, 
So proud of the women acting like men. God damn. But it's great. It is a fantastic match. And TakeOver Brooklyn was kind of that turning point, I think, in NXT where... Correct me if I'm wrong, but NXT TakeOver Brooklyn was the first big arena venue that they held for a TakeOver. I think so. You might be right on that. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So it was before before SummerSlam and um, had some great matches on it, including Tyler Breeze and Jushin Thunder Liger. But the pre-main event was Bailey versus Sasha for the women's title. And we knew the four horsewomen had like great chemistry and they could work together. Dusty Rhodes had just passed away, which was heartbreaking. Bailey comes out in the ring attire and Sasha comes out of her entourage. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the first time that women have their own custom entrances uh, leading into a big match. Uh, Yes, that would be correct. Thank you. Dropping knowledge over here. And then they put on a absolute clinic of a wrestling match that just brings the cloud Crowd completely unglued throughout the whole thing. Uh, Sasha working over the hand for Bailey. Um, love working over the hand because it's a injury that you can sell throughout the whole match. It's not a knee injury that you suddenly recover from. When she puts in between the ring steps and she hits it. And my favorite moment is when she's got in the bank statement and Bailey's trying to reach the ropes and Sasha's just stomping that hand repeatedly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. And I'm like, good. yes. And I don't know. It's just. And everyone's seen the reverse hurricane, no, reverse Frankenstein from the top rope that uh, Sasha does to Bailey. Bailey does. No, to Bailey Sasha. does. Bailey Sasha. does to Sasha. That's the, fi- that's the finish uh-huh. of the match. Yeah. yeah, that happens, and then it's the Bailey to belly. Bailey to belly. The crowd are on their feet, which is something that you haven't seen of that scale. Like we've seen it in NXT, but to see it in that massive an arena of the Barclay Card Center, everybody's on their feet, counting one, two, three. The emotion. It's just unparalleled and the fact that Kevin Owens and Finn Balor went on afterwards in a ladder match and the crowd were just not in the mood for it they were done they were emotionally drained following the Sasha Bailey match shows you how good this match is that's what always puts it in perspective for me you sort of think um you know going back a few years before this like one if you'd said to like your younger self one day Kevin Steen and Prince Devitt are going to headline an a WWE show like in a ladder match and it won't be the best match on the card it'll be a woman's match will be better than that like how fucking mental is that <laughs> you get back in your time machine crazy man yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> all right marty <laughs> it's true and it was just mind-boggling and then you think of it afterwards when becky and charlotte come out and they they and sasha just kind of breaks down and it's just that beautiful moment of the four of them and they throw up the four horsemen sign Mm -hmm. and it's just like i don't know we talked about this on the last show about the women's revolution and pinpointing moments and and what's important and honestly for me like you can talk about nxt and page and aj and all of this kind of stuff but that moment and that match was what solidified it and really boosted it from there yeah absolutely for sure it sort of the seeds were sort of planted with. Do you remember? I think it was the um, NXT takeover before this that had Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, and it was when Becky Lynch sort of debuted her um, steampunk look, yeah, which um, she sort of kept up until very recently, um, and that was sort of seeds were planted there. I think for where oh my god, like these women can put on great matches, and we could really care about them as characters and be wowed by how like shit hot their matches are so i think the seeds were planted there to the point where when this match was announced it everyone was thinking this has the potential to be amazing 
And the fact that people thought that and they delivered in spades is something that very, very rarely happens in wrestling. How often is a match advertised as going to be something special and it actually is? Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And and they had consistently good matches afterwards. You had the last women standing match as yep. well after this, uh, which uh, Sasha made Izzy Bailey superfan cry. Favourite yeah, moment was, of the decade. That was brilliant, yeah. But, you know, they, they just... They've been teasing this for the past like eight, seven, I don't know how long we've been alive at this point with Bailey and Sasha <laughs> to have this kind of like feud on the main roster, but they just keep blue balling us and it's pissing me off. Yeah, it'll come. It'll come. I don't Eventually. know. I don't know. Steve, was you've been quiet on the subject. Well, you've pretty much touched everything I was going to touch on. Like to me, this is the, I'll say it's the, Amen. This is the <laughs> the greatest women's match I still think in all of re- wrestling women's history. I'm sorry, I'll have to say that. And it's I don't know. Hard I to just, disagree. Like you know what I mean. Like the, everything was the storytelling was perfect. The match was good. Like it, and I hate to say this, then sounds chauvinistic, but this is the only way I could compare it. It was like watching the men go. Like you know what I mean. Like I'm sorry. Like the old school women. It's you could tell they're women. Like not to say that's a bad thing, but it's not as athletic. It doesn't look as crisp as the men do it, right? But these two chicks, again, being chauvinistic chicks, but <laughs> you are so close, Steve. Talking about a point, so close. <laughs> these, these two, two ladies, exactly. <laughs> these two ladies put on a show, and like you said, the main event went on. No one even gave a fuck about it. No one even remembers the main event. People probably think this was the main event, and you know what I mean. It's like hats off to them, and they did a fantastic job. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, and I, I agree with you one hundred percent that this is the ultimate. If we're talking about this era, like WrestleMania thirty five, obviously iconic and iconic in terms of a moment but uh i have such a tick with that like i'm doing actual professional podcasts at work and someone says iconic can't help myself but anyway um (laughs) but that was a great moment but this match is the greatest women's wrestling match you know what i'm gonna say this this is savage steamboat for the women yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. This is what, in 10, 20 years, wrestling historians are going to, you know, women's wrestling, a good women's wrestling is going to just be the norm at the at, in the future. Right. And this will be the throwback to, oh, but there was the Bailey-Sasha match at Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You, got you nailed it. it, Steve. You nailed it. Hey, I was due for one. You were due for one. That's your one for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number? What are you on? Uh, I guess number three. You know, I'll stick with my number three. I'll substitute my number two when I get there since this was my number two. But my number three, I have to go with the UK contingency here. Ooh. So I'm going to go with (laughs) NXT TakeOver Chicago in 2017, which was Pete Dunne versus Taylor Bate. Taylor, wow, I'm so off today. Tyler Bate. For the WWE UK Championship. God, don't you wish I edited these, Steve? Don't you wish? <laughs> no, don't. Please don't, because it's the same on my show. I live all... I live. Again, fuck me. I let all the slip-ups go. Again, it just goes to show that we're human, and we do this to have fun and whatever, right? What, exactly. It is, what it is. But yeah. So yeah, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bates. Perfect. I love this match. Like, speaking of non-flippy, just complete opposite. Holds, rests, this, that, near falls all over the place. Kickouts everywhere, like obviously British strong style in full effect. So this was the first, if I'm not mistaken, maybe, right? Could it be, was it the first major UK match on non-UK TV? Yeah, yes. yeah, it was definitely, right? like they advertised the NXT 
quote-unquote UK stuff uh, on the network, but this was the first time right. it was showcased on, on US kind of television. Like a pay-per-view sort of format, yeah. right? It was in yeah, Chicago, so, wasn't it? The pay-per-view yes. yeah. or the takeover, yeah. Exactly. So I loved it from start to finish, hook, line, sinker, whatever the saying is. They had me from start to end. I loved it. Everything, every near fall, I thought it was over. Like I said, it was just fantastic story. To, and again, it was sort of a cold match, not really, but sort of, like, you know what I mean? And for them to do what they do and just literally tell the story just in the ring by itself, that's, in this day and age, that's fantastic. It's, okay, so I have two, two kind of sides to this. And Okay. I, I love the North American viewpoint of this because when yes. this match happened, it was very much like, how is the North American audience going to react to this? Because there was no real build to this. It was just like, oh, right. here's the UK title. Let's put it middle of the show and end up being the match of the night um, that kind of proved it. And I think from a British standpoint, especially someone of, of myself who was very loved british independent wrestling at that time i was following it you know going to every show i possibly could um to see them on that kind of stage was almost nerve-wracking which oh. is a weird thing to say it was like um england in the world cup jesse do you know what i mean it's that kind of like <laughs> i want my boys to do well on the stage yeah totally but also like when you think like literally two weeks before this show happened we'd watched them essentially rehearsed this match like it had been Pete oh. Dunn versus Tyler Bay in Birmingham oh yes it was Lucha Underground yeah. not Lucha Underground yeah, um, yeah, Lucha, was, forever. Uh, Lucha Forever Lucha Forever wow. um, we, okay. yeah we watched the, and it wasn't difficult Steve to just go to a tiny wrestling show and see these two wrestling you know of so course. it's um, it it was very surreal and we were thinking you know oh it's going to be in Chicago it's going to be this huge show how amazing for them this is awesome but will it translate? And it's exactly. amazing that it did. It's yeah, that's what I mean. It's like we know how good these guys are, and we and to see them on that kind of grand stage, it's it's so baffling. And they just went out, and obviously they would because Pete Dunn and Tyler Bates. It's no accident that they are where they are right now in their career and how right. they are the pinnacle of British uh, wrestling because mm-hmm. they are the best. Like. Any show you went to, to have Tyler Bate or Tyler Bate, obviously a little bit, I don't know. They, they both kind of start at the same time. They're, they're not that much difference in age, but Pete Dunne always seems that much more experienced and that much more switched on as a wrestler than than anybody else. Um, I think Pete's. I think Pete's three years older than Tyler. Which, but even in, that, in UK was, in UK wrestling terms, that's about thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, but and even point, for us, he even was for us North Americans, we saw him only like we've only known of Pete Dunne because you we used to see him in PWG and shit, right? So we knew of Pete Dunne. No one knew of Tyler Bates until WWE literally brought it to our team. Right. So. Yeah, 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 and and you know Pete Dunne was what twenty one or something when this happened. Or, yeah. or some that's what I mean. It's just like he's this veteran feeling wrestler that isn't a veteran, and Pete is just such an enigma in British wrestling that is just so right. unique and weird. And yeah, to see both of these guys on on the the big stage of America in Chicago was just so cool and they absolutely delivered it. But the thing I wanted to say is they delivered it, but they mm-hmm. pretty much delivered what the majority of British independent matches were delivering as main events during 2016 and 2017. Mm. The caliber of British wrestling in this country at just independent shows you could go to for a tenor was this match. And that's a insane statement for me to make, but it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and it goes to show, and especially now, now that there's more exposure, people are like I said, I didn't even know about progress or progress, however you want to pronounce it, like you know, until WWE literally opened the doors to UK wrestling. It's like, oh, okay, and this guy, oh, he actually wrestles for them too. He read like WXW. I know they're not UK, but they're still European out of Germany, right? Yeah, like all these independent companies that now has a big following, all because WWE literally opened the doors. And I hate to say it, but for North Americans at least, like you, like you said, you guys know of it because you guys live there. But for us over here, if no one talks about it or no one says anything, how are we supposed to know, right? It's true. It's it's yeah. We have this internet and communication age, but it's, it's not it the is, same, though. Yeah, it's not the same. It's that word of mouth from the big brand, and I, yeah. I know Jesse's had issues with this in the past of WE coming in and raping the, the territories as they've done in the past. But right. there is an upside yeah. to it. My exact words, by the way, <laughs> and to quote. <laughs> but there is an upside to it because there's a lot of North American fans who don't know what's over here in Europe, yeah. really. Same of same course. over there. Like I've really gotten into Evolve over the past couple of months because they've started showcasing them and I never really knew about Evolve properly. Right. But it's like it's the progress of America. Yeah, there you go. So like, you know what I mean? Like I'm sure same thing for PWG for you guys. Like you probably never heard of it until Young Bucks and everyone else started making a name over there, right? Yeah. Good. Oh, that sweet age of PWG, do you remember? Mm. When it was just like days. Tommaso Ciampa and It was the best. They even had Walter at one point too yeah. over there. Yeah, it was oh, good times. Good, good times. times. I think that's what we're gonna miss most, that era of wrestling. Before they started raiding the Indies. That was right, good times. Yeah. Good times. <sighs> you okay, Jeffy? <laughs> yeah. Do you just want to do a, a quick... Just reminiscing. Do you want to do a quick monologue just to bring yourself back in? doesn't have to be about wrestling. It could be about yourself. It's about anything. Um, I haven't really got... I haven't got anything to say. Nothing no. of interest. No, no nothing's... just want to check through. in on you. I've got a Christmas lunch tomorrow with my work. And, yeah. And I, I don't... Like, why should I have to spend time with them when I'm not being paid for it? Is what I really want to know. I saw a great tweet that summed up the office Christmas party. It said, mm. uh, the office Christmas party, great way to catch up with people that you saw 20 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. Love I, it. <laughs> why are we doing this? I have the same on Friday. I have a whole evening and I, I'm literally going to leave the office and go with these people to a dinner to catch up. It's, yeah, there's no, and all you're going to do is talk about work. Yeah, just going to bitch. But we can't bitch yeah. properly because the boss is sitting there. Yeah, that's rough. Oh, dreadful. Oh, dreadful. Steve, are you having a Christmas party at your office? They had it and I said, no, fuck you. I'm going home. Classic Steve. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Employee of you the year. You know me. You got it. Hey, I don't need to I don't need to kiss ass. I kick ass, all right? I just got this image of Steve like flipping the bird, kicking the fire axe and being like deuces. Yeah. <laughs> stone cold stunner in the box. I was just gonna say I'm the stone cold of my job, literally. <laughs> we we've got to talk about the Steve guy. He just he, he offers beers to people, cheers them, and then stuns and walks away. <laughs> it's outrageous behavior. That's me. <laughs> All right, number three from the Got Till Five end. Uh, let's go with, because we've spoken about it enough, so this is going to be very quick, because you can just listen to any other podcast that we've mentioned over the past six months. Money in the Bank 2011, CM Punk versus John Cena. It's a good match. Steve, what's yours? <sighs> that was my number one. You fucking really? stole my oh, number one. No way, two. really? <sighs> yes, oh. and I'll explain after you guys explain why it's my number one. Okay, okay, okay. So... 
um, anyone who's listened to this podcast, uh, I'm bored of talking, Jesse. Can you do this one? Ah, oh, right. So this this one is. Um, I actually have different feelings to Max on this actual match. I don't find the match that interesting anymore. I. It's Same a very here. yes. Um, this was a bad so, time to throw over. Is, no, it wasn't. No, it's fine. It's fine. But again, it's the build up to the match and how important it felt, and that it was a very mm-hmm. real thing that CM Punk was leaving or felt it at the time. And just, but the actual match, like with being in Chicago, the crowd made this match. The atmosphere, the entrances are actually my favorite part of the whole match, which um, is probably not a great endorsement. But when you watch the entrances, it's just insane. The atmosphere, Punk having like family and Colt Cabana and his old trainer and stuff at ringside, just it felt special. And it had an atmosphere that WE have never replicated since. There has never been a, such a partisan crowd. Like, I think King says so that he makes some, some sort of sport reference that I don't This is like the Chicago be. Bears winning the Super Bowl in Chicago. Right, yeah. So, yeah, or like to put it in our terms, like Manchester United winning like the Premier League. Well, they would win it in Manchester. That's they <laughs> this play is like home. England winning the World Cup within England. Right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Which <laughs> which they did in 1966. Um, but it's just yeah, just the crowd. You never get a wrestling fat crowd like that where everyone is so firmly behind one person, and not only because of their character or because of how they've been booked or anything like that. They're behind them because he's their fucking boy. Like he is their local boy, and like they absolutely fucking love that. Just but he the was everyone's around. boy. Well, he yeah, but the... more so Chicago's right. Like it, true, it, but he the was fact the... it was in Chicago made it more. Special. Oh, completely, completely. Like it, the. The hometown aspect definitely helped, but he was the quote-unquote voice of the voiceless of the wrestling fandom who was yep. sick of the regular shit, and here is CM Punk, and it was just... it. I've mentioned this in the podcast before, it's so hard to get wrestling fans to believe in wrestling, if that makes yes. sense. We're so yep, critical, course. we're so involved in everything that we just can't enjoy the product as it is. And this storyline and the pipe bomb and Time's Up, all of this was so important to just like enjoy wrestling again. Like everyone I speak to who watches this match, they just enjoyed wrestling for that moment in time. And that is a beautiful thing. And I know you don't like the wrestling in this match. I personally really enjoy it. Maybe not all of it. Uh, the pacing is typical Cena matching, but there's yeah. some fantastic moments in it. And when Vince McMahon comes out to to ring the bell, screw job, it just plays into your fandom of like, oh god, they've done this before. And John Cena levels John Laurinaitis with a with a like way too hard a punch. He was going <laughs> for like the the forearm to the neck, but it was just a solid boom down like a sack <laughs> of shit. And uh, yeah, GTS one two three. Punk kisses goodbye. And even though the match may not be as good as the one they had on Raw a couple of months later, in terms of like iconic matches and moments, I said it normally, good God, iconic matches (laughs) and moments, when you look at the 2010s, this is going to be in there, without a doubt. Yes, yeah. And now that Punk's back in some capacity, they can sort of talk about it a bit more again. Do you know what I mean? Because they essentially benwired him for quite a while, so there was a lot of good shit that was um, that was taken out. Are you laughing because I managed to get Benoit in? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. like it that we use it as a as a descriptive term now. <laughs> 
Benoit. To Benoit. It, it, we should fight to get it in the dictionary. It'll be in there one day. We really should. Um, but yeah, they, but they did, didn't they? They Benoit him. So it's nice that um, he's been unbenoised, and we can now enjoy this. And hopefully, they can talk about it and show a younger generation how fucking special this was. This was only at the this was at the start of the decade. It's a long ass time ago now. Two thousand eleven, and we're still talking about it. This was money in the bank. This was nothing of yeah, a pay per view. This was crazy just time. they really just wanked in a fantastic storyline just for the fun of it. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, Steve, why was this number one for you though? Well, again, these guys pretty much nailed everything, but the build up, the pipe bomb lead up, everything to it. To me, again, uh, you you hit it on the nail again. I hate saying it over and over, but you encapsulated perfectly where us wrestling fans know everything. We're always critical. Ah, oh, this is always fake. This is this, this and that. The, I don't even remember the last time I thought wrestling was real before this actually happened. Maybe when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up at WCW, that sort of, yeah. for a split second, I was like, what the fuck's going on here, right? But other than that, I can't really think of anything until I realized, I'm sorry, young children, that wrestling is fake. But you know what I mean? I, I don't, ah, just everything about this is perfect. Like even the end with ADR coming out, trying to cash in and everything and everyone oh, panicking, you know what I mean? Like, and then even afterwards, we're punk taking the picture of the belt in the fridge. It's like, what the fuck's going on here? Is he coming back? Is he not? Like, what is all this? And it's, it was just perfect. It was perfect storytelling. Yeah. Like, they played us so well. And it's so difficult to know when he signed, but the rumors are he right. signed on that day. And there's yeah. other reports of this kind of stuff. But literally, we thought we were all so intelligent because it's like, you know, you know all of these people are saying that punk is not signing. So it was like an opening shut case that punk yes. was going to win and how big a risk was that for we like from a smart perspective like oh everyone knows punk is not going to resign why the fuck would i watch this main event exactly right but we did and and it was fantastic and you're 100 right it was i've completely forgot about alberto del rio cashing in and when you take a step back and you look at all of this with vince coming out and john laurinaitis and the punch and del rio cashing in of course mm-hmm. it was all a work and it's baffling that we all got played so hard right. in that reality. But that just shows how good and how much wrestling can invest you. Well, not only that, and again, all this would not have happened with any other wrestler but CM Punk. He was yeah. that one guy that was against a great... Like, even Stone Cold wouldn't have been able to pull this off back in the day when he was going against Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? Like, something about CM Punk, he's like he's I hate, he's a cult leader. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he... What can you say? People follow him. He, I think he's bigger. People drink more Kool-Aid of his than they did of Paul Heyman. You know what I mean? So it's like, what else can I say about this? He's it, it's fucking, it, it's it, sounding it, like he's probably one of my favorite of all time, but I don't know. It's He's crazy, man. There's no one it, else like him on the mic. It got so many people back into wrestling. So many people. And that's there. the other thing, right? Yeah. Wrestling exactly. went mainstream. Wrestling nearly went mainstream again, didn't it? Like the attitude here, like fucking GQ and people like that were interviewing CM Punk about the pipe bomb and all that shit. And it's yep. like, not since the 90s had wrestling entered the mainstream like that. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. It's, we, we've mentioned it before how massively they fucked up the storyline. And yeah, crazy we've bad. fantasy booked it to, to death and it's just ridiculous how what they had what they had was gold but yeah. they were too impatient way too impatient with it mm-hmm. you know you were talking about um you were saying steve that um wrestling fans don't get tricked anymore we don't know you know when and you couldn't remember the last time 
Um, embarrassingly, recently is the last mm-hmm. time I got duped. I was okay. convinced, I don't know if you were, I was convinced okay. that Dean Ambrose leaving WWE was a work. I was absolutely oh. convinced of it. Because really? it was like, why would they, why would WWE be advertising so publicly that one of their top stars is leaving? It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And it still doesn't, to be honest. Well, it's I have like, one theory on that. It's either they were convinced they were actually going to sign him and maybe Dean at the time told them verbally he was, but then last yeah. minute he swerved them and said, fuck you, because that whole AEW thing too with that video that, you know, that was planted. Obviously they had the date in the background. Everyone's looked at this shit even before he debuted. So it's like, so it was in the work. So was AEW already in his ear while he was negotiating with WWE? I don't know. Did he use it to even get more money from AEW as well? Who knows? I guess the only people who know for sure is Dean Ambrose and I guess the higher-ups in WWE, right? But no, I see where you're coming from, where it looks sort of like a work and this, this, and that. But yeah, no one else has gotten this farewell no. fucking party, I guess. And be you like, got a full article. Yeah, unless yeah. it's because of uh, Renee Young and they really want to keep her because they see how much of an asset she is. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Yeah, but very straight. I just thought it was all very weird, and it, it was, was this, weird. and it was it, the, was. it was this punk storyline that maybe uh, it maybe just sort of think, oh, they're doing it again, but with Dean Ambrose. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah, um, I could see that. But it it wasn't the case, which made me look like a right mug. <laughs> it shows up at double or nothing, and Jesse's still there going like, nah, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, nah, I'm just uh, it's yeah. just fucking with me. I'm clearly hallucinating. It's fine. <laughs> just turn it off. I'm just, nope. I'm just, <laughs> nope, I'm just having one of my moments. <laughs> oh, my You've done God. that before. You've done off pay-per-views before important moments. Oh, Jesus. I had no idea the revival had broken up until like two months later. Because <laughs> I didn't watch that, the end of that stupid pay-per-view. Uh, the copyright logo. Jesse's biggest villain of the decade. Yeah, I see ah. that copy. I see the copyright logo pop up in the corner. I'm fucking done. That means it's the end of That's the show, it. right? Oh, apparently not. <laughs> You'll get that one day, old man. One day, boomer. It's still old. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Stephen. Well played. Okay, oh, wrestling's still too bright for me. I know it is. Yeah. Uh, this is why you should watch AEW. It's very dark, Jesse. Yeah, you're right. The colors are better on AEW. It's WWE's too bright since they went HD. It's just. It's too. There's too old, too many lights. Kind of. I like the I like the grainy old look of wrestling. You know, <laughs> bless your cotton socks, uh, yep. Steve. We've stolen your number two and your number one. So yes, enjoy the end of this podcast. Well, I know you guys probably have one of these two. I'm contemplating which one is your number one or number two. So wait, I'm gonna okay, go. Wait, wait, wait. Do not well, do not pick the greatest match of the decade just to spite us at number two. See, that's why it's either one or the other. I don't know what you guys think is number one or number two. Because uh... this is a this is a sneaky revenge tactic. I'm for you. <laughs> okay, I'm closing my eyes. I know you guys can't see me, and I'm pointing out one, whichever one it is. It is, and that's it. So that's my way of thinking. Jesus. I'm doing this right now. I'm so scared, Jesse. Okay, so I'm gonna go slightly aroused <laughs> with the beginning of the decade. 2010. So you guys must know already. WrestleMania 26, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Aye. Ah, great, great choice. Um, That'll be my number two then. Nice. Would you would you only pick this over WrestleMania 25 because of the decade? Do you prefer WrestleMania 25's Taker Shawn? The first one, of course, you have to because yeah. you didn't know what was going to happen. The second one, it's like okay, he can't be. Well, actually, you know what? To think about it, at one time I was like, ah, oh, if they did the rematch, that means he must be going to beat him. So I don't know, really. But pure wrestling-wise, I think the first one was better, I have to say. Yeah. 
But this one yeah, still yeah, stands yeah. up, obviously, if it's in my top five, right? It was going to be an honorable mention because, again, I loved it. And, again, you guys know Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time, so mm-hmm. I had to put him in here somewhere. And to me, this was vintage. I had to be Michael Cole, but vintage Shawn Michaels. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. How many wrestlers can you think of where their retirement match was still a fucking masterclass? Do you know what I mean? And right? that's what it was with Shawn Michaels. He retired on his terms. He didn't retire because he was too old or he couldn't wrestle anymore. He just retired because he was done. He just wanted wanted to be with his family and stuff. It didn't mean that he wasn't any less fucking awesome. And he right. showed that in this last match. He was fucking amazing. I know. And to think that it's already been almost 10 years since, because we don't count Saudi Arabia, since the last time Shawn Michaels has wrestled. Jesus. That's fucking nuts. That is right? crazy. Yeah. Um, that is really crazy. Yeah, Ten years, without Shawn Michaels, and now I'm sad. <laughs> Cheers, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, literally, I'm glad you brought this up because I googled this match just before we came on air, and I was like, "Did this fall into the 2010s?" And it did. yeah, it is March 2010 that this match happened, which is absolutely crazy. And to have Shawn kind of, as Jesse says, bow out on his own terms annoyingly because i i know he can still go i know if he had one more run yes he's bold but that (laughs) he can still have a great match and it's just frustrating as hell just give give me aj styles and Shawn michaels just give it to me Mm. you know what you didn't you didn't watch it did you max the saudi arabia match that we don't speak of okay okay why well i watched it right i couldn't i couldn't not watch it because it was Shawn michaels right me too I, i had to right and yes it was a fucking abortion but <laughs> but um, the one thing that wasn't the one saving grace was Shawn Michaels. You're right, right. Steve? Steve. Of course, yeah. Like Shawn was still wrestling well in this match. He was the only one yep. of the four that was, but he was still doing his parts perfectly. Like wrestling is in his fucking blood, man. He's so gifted. He was still brilliant, even on that show, wrestling with three people who just were absolutely appalling. No, most definitely. And yeah, it's true. He was the bright spot of that whole match. And if it wasn't for him, then that would have been... Sh- you know what it reminds me of, too? Remember when um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came back for that one Raw? Yeah! He, he was like, like he didn't miss a beat. He was still moonsaulting and doing flips yeah. and this and that. And this guy was like in his 50s. That's going to be Shawn Michaels. Yeah, definitely. Just yeah, yeah. pick it up and drop it whenever he needs to because he's just gifted. Oh, I forgot. Sorry, you just brought me back to that Ricky Steamboat because it was like a three-on-one against Jericho, of like the old legends. And Ricky, that yes, Mania twenty-five. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ricky just bought it, and then him and Jericho had a singles match at Backlash afterwards, and everyone was just like, "You still got it?" And Ricky's face was like, "I fucking know." <laughs> yeah, no shit. Sit down. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant, and yeah, and I think that that is the most frustrating thing. And the fact that Sean can come back for that much blood money means that there is potential for him to come <laughs> back for you know AJ's retirement match, him versus Seth. I don't care. No, I don't put care. Seth in there, please. No, it has to be the right person. Like AJ, I don't mind. I, I, you know, what? I can't even think of anyone else I would want him to, to be in there with. Yeah, I think Honestly. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down with AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels. I think that's it, really. That is about oh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I have AJ. I have uh, Gargano, Champa. Gargano's a good one too. Yep. Andrade. I'd even put him with Shorty G. Fucking love me some Shorty G. Oh God. 
I'm not. Sorry, you're on your own there, Max. You're a, you're a minority. Chad Gable is the greatest wrestler WWE owns at the moment. It's not his fault they called him Shorty G. That is correct. Yes. I'll go, yeah, I agree with you on that. Thank you. That's fine, but I, I don't want to see him in the ring with Bold Sean. Oh. Adam Cole. Shawn Michaels, Adam, Adam Cole. Cole. That's another one. There you yeah. go, baby. That's a good one. <laughs> Excellent choice. Yeah. Why then, Steve? And the tombstone, by the way, if we could just talk about this specific match, sure. the back to the 26 match, that final tombstone, which is the proper jumping to your knees tombstone to finally finish off Shawn Michaels. Right. I just remember, I just remember watching that and thinking, oh, Shawn's dead. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> like, it's brutal, right? How dangerous is a tombstone like that? Yeah, it's right. horrendous. And that's the only way he was going to put him away. And and that build from when Sean was the special guest referee. And, oh, yeah. Three then, years in the making, right? Yeah, WrestleMania 25. And then Sean just being like, I need to beat you. And he just couldn't at WrestleMania 26. Oh, the storytelling, Jesse. Rock yeah, hard right brilliant. now. And Shawn Michaels as well. Shawn Michaels, through his career, was never booked as a Superman. He was never booked as the guy that would keep kicking out and eventually win. That wasn't That's his true. M.O. ever. Nope. Which is what why it's so hard now to show people these old Shawn Michaels-Undertaker matches. Because ah. if you watch them out of context, it feels like he's being booked like that because he's kicking out so much that Undertaker is throwing at him. But if right. you're watching it in context and knowing Shawn Michaels, you're like, ah, it's re- a real special thing that he's kicking out of as much as he's kicking out of. Do you know what I mean? That they saved it for a very special time. No, of course. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah It was. Oh, Getting all the feels in this podcast, guys. Oh, man, it's been a good decade. I can't <laughs> believe that falls into this decade. We're old, guys. <laughs> it's been a long 10 years. Yeah, man. How old were you at the start of the decade, Steve? 30. Jesus. This is our future, Jesse. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's all right. I think the future looks pretty bright. Looking at Steve, we're all right. We're going to be all right, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, but remember, I live You've in Canada, it. so our air quality is a little bit better than you guys over. You guys age poorly compared to Canadians, so. Yeah, that's true. We you have a lot of beige food. Protein. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I don't know. What is poutine? Poutine is oh. chips, cheese curds, and gravy. Yeah. Cheese curds? Cheese curds. Yes. That sounds disgusting. Mo- no, it's mozzarella. Okay, it's mozzarella cubes, and then the gravy melts it, so it becomes all gooey on top of the. I guess what you call chips, we call French fries. It's only mozzarella. Uh, okay. if they're doing it wrong. It's cheese curds. That, uh. that's, that's the proper shit, Steve. Let's let's talk real. No, oh, but but then the fries go all soggy, no? Oh, yeah, that's the point. And you get the stringy cheese. Yes. Oh. I am coming oh, to Canada man. in July, and I cannot wait. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eat poutine for like ten days. I'm just gonna be at A and W. I'm gonna be eat, drinking proper Tim Hortons. I'm gonna be on the poutine. Do you like all these stereotypes I'm throwing at you, Steve? Yeah, uh, I do, but no one goes to AEW or I AEW. Well, yeah, AEW, <laughs> right? whatever, A and W. No one goes to A and W. Uh, Tim Hortons right, is right. Like, just something you guys say now. Like everyone's over Tim Hortons already. They're, Tim Hortons is not shit. even good. The minute it they is, Tim Hortons, it was shit. But A and W breakfast. Let, let's have an argument right now. A and W breakfast okay. is ten times better than McDonald's breakfast. I've never, you know what? I've never had an A and W breakfast, but I don't enjoy McDonald's breakfast either. Well, tomorrow morning, treat yourself to an A and W breakfast, sausage, obviously, and call me. Yeah, you already lost me at sausage. Sorry. 
I'm, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna stick to my Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and then we we have weird shit, eh? All right. <laughs> yes, we got a um, number two. <laughs> number two okay so um this is my personal favorite match of the decade okay this is from the g1 final in 2017 it is tetsuya naito versus kenny omega nice choice it is the best choice steve um (laughs) (laughs) no i i adore this match and i was watching it before we kind of came on just uh i sent a picture to jesse i was like i don't know why i'm re-watching this i've watched it so many times i could probably do it myself Uh, it is just so good i i love it and okay so re-watching it this evening or watching kenny omega in AEW and how he is now First of all, Kenny Omega with the beard and the long hair, loving the look. He, he looks he looks like he's given up on life, and I'm a big fan. Bit of maniacal. I like Bit a maniacal, maniacal look. Yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. He does the whole gun to Naito, and he looks at it. And, oh, just from the start of the match, we're we're in for a good time. <laughs> and okay, so here's something, and I'll mention this probably in our number one. Kenny Omega, if you notice his New Japan matches at the 20 minute mark, he is done with your shit. And he either wants to kill himself or he wants to kill you. Kenny Omega matches up until the 20 minute mark are kind of, you know, safe, normal wrestling. It's very good. It's all it is. But after the 20 minute mark, all bets are off. And he just wants you dead. And the key example for this is at the 20 minute mark is the spot where Naito goes for the pile driver onto the table on the outside, slips off of it and nearly breaks Kenny Omega's neck. Yeah, that's crazy. And then from that point on, they're doing poison ranas from the top rope. They're doing, you know, V triggers to the face. It's just pure insanity. The second half of this match, the we joke about how dangerous New Japan is, and they don't give a shit about each other's necks. And ha ha ha, they're in danger. <laughs> in reality, it's fucking scary. It but is, we love it. it. It, we do love it, and it does amaze <laughs> me that um, that no one has actually died in New Japan. I mean, they—I mean, I know they have years back, but no one, like in recent years, have, has died in New Japan um, from the amount of head dropping and stuff like that. And that is what we all love about New Japan. We love that twenty minutes into a match, people who you've been having near falls all match, then suddenly twenty minutes in, everyone's kicking out at one, <laughs> screaming in each other's faces, <laughs> and just German suplexing each other on their necks. And like that's what we love about New Japan, and this match encapsulates it perfectly. There's a spot in this match where I've never seen this before, where Kenny Omega goes for a power bomb from the top rope, like not even like holding on. Naito's on the middle rope. Like, Naito's on the top rope with Kenny. He lifts him up for a power bomb. Balance is insane. Goes for it, and then Naito reverses it into a Hurricane Rana from the top rope. It's not. It's not okay. It's ridiculous. Not okay, guys. It just stop it. No, more. <laughs> then, <laughs> Give me more, man. Fuck it. Hey, these guys know what they're signing up for. I say it all the time. Who are we as fans to say stop to the guys who are actually doing it? If they want to stop, they're grown-ass men or women, because women do crazy shit too nowadays. So just do it. I don't give a fuck. Like, oh. when everyone, like, even with the, the Moxley and, um, speaking of Omega, uh, Omega match, that hardcore match or death match, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I wanted more. I loved it. To me, it was harking back to ECW. That was, Again, remember, that's yeah. what I grew up on. Headshots, fucking blood everywhere. I don't care. Give me more. 
Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. I've never had any desire to be a wrestler myself. I'm quite happy to watch other idiots kill themselves for my entertainment. I feel like a Roman emperor when I watch wrestling. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and it's oh, but just this, yeah. And I'm the same as you, Steve. I love it, but New Japan, especially in this era, 2017, is is the only time where I'll be watching it, and I'll just be going. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. No. That's literally what I'll be doing. And as we said, it's difficult to get us to be fans again. But You just sounded like Prince Philip when you did that. Really? Yeah, it was a very Prince Philippy um sound. Oh, I liked it. Carry on. Thank you. <laughs> but it makes you be a fan again. And that's what I love about New Japan, especially in this era. It, it, it gives you that kind of overview sense of you can dispel reality of like, no, they're actually hitting each other. This is real. Uh, if you said out loud, everyone would be like, mm, fucking nerd. Yeah. But it's true. It, and, it and Naito versus Omega, and it took Naito to hit four, five Destinos to put Omega away. And he did. And then he went to Wrestle Kingdom, and we will speak no more of it. And that's it. <laughs> that's where it ends. That's where it ends. That's where the beautiful <laughs> journey ends. What's special, though? Oh, Especially I mean, in a post um, Omega Okada world as well do you know what i mean like mm. you'd already had omega okada at this point right um and it was like how can new japan top this or even stay at the same level and keep it interesting and they and putting nato with omega did it and putting nato and omega with any number of people did it because it turns out they've got or had a fucking amazing roster of wrestlers nato 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 <sighs> Kenny. Kenny. I miss that. I was just going to say, I miss watching a Kenny match and hearing that. Kenny! <laughs> I miss it. I want her to come back. One thing, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot to mention about this match. How fucking over was Naito during this time? I was watching this match, not f- earlier from a, watching the wrestling perspective, but I just listened to the crowd for that. It is a 48-minute match, this match. And wow. the crowd do not let up from the very get-go to the end. They are loud. Like, everyone is, oh, Japanese crowds are so quiet and polite. Mm. Not when they're invested. Not True. when they care that this match they were just going at it. Yeah, no, they're awesome. They're awesome crowds. Like you say, when when you've earned it, they're awesome crowds. Mm-hmm. Completely. Okay, Steve, it is the main event. I hope and I pray, I eat, pray, love that we have the same number one. Otherwise, this is the end of a beautiful friendship. Well, should I leave it for you guys to talk about and I mention another number one or we, we should just make it our all number one? I think like at this point, it's, it's the whole number one. All right, so let's do it. Wrestle Kingdom 11, Kenny Omega versus Okada for the IWGP World Championship. Boom. Perfect. And you could put any Omega Okada match at this yeah. number one. Put the trilogy. That is true. Put yeah, the trilogy. Yeah. Pretty much, in a nutshell, yeah. It's, we'll- but this is my... I, I don't know about you, Steve, like... Everyone has their opinions on which Omega Ricardo match is their favourite. This is my favourite because it's the first and because the excitement of seeing them wrestle for the first time was there, you know, like with the other ones. It was like, how do they top this? And there was a doubt that they wouldn't top it. Obviously, they did every time, but there was no doubt here. It was just pure excitement for this match. That's what made it for me. Yeah, same here. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, was this the first Wrestle Kingdom Kenny headlined as the leader of the Bullet Club? Yes. Yes. And that's what made it even more special. Because what brought me in back to New Japan was when AJ Styles was in Bullet Club and obviously everyone else. And then the transition. So to see Kenny 
literally be a nobody in the Bullet Club to rise through the ranks and end up being their leader and then culminating, well, not at this one, but eventually getting the heavyweight championship. You know what I mean? It was just great. And I don't give a fuck. Like, even Meltzer broke the rating system, as everyone talks about, whatever, greatest match of all time. The length was super long. I don't give a fuck. I never looked at my watch once. It To me, it still felt like it was a five-minute match because it was so good, so fluid, and just everything. And it was just fantastic. I Like, what else can you say? Well, yeah, this was our number one of top five moments was Meltzer breaking the star system and just the general um, wrestling community's mind being mounted by this match as a whole. So it only makes sense that this is obviously a joint number one between the two of us because it was important. Like everyone always talks about um, uh, Steamboat and Flair as like those Mm. five star classic matches. This is our generation's that, you know, these three matches. And for me personally, I love this match, but the two out of three fools match to end the saga is my personal favorite because I love a good story wrap up. See, not me. I hate two out of threes because I'm that guy that's, you know, what's going to happen. It's always going to be one, one and then three going into the end. And it's like, I'm so sick of this. Just make it one long ass match. And that's it. Oh, the fact that he grabbed the ring rope for the one winged angel in that match. And then he finally hit it and got the free count. I don't know. For me, I just love the dominion as well. That was only, they had a 30 minute time limit. They went 28 minutes, 30 Mm. seconds or something. And they still delivered almost better than wrestle kingdom in a shorter amount of time. And I recently, that that was the match I was watching when I sent you that WhatsApp, Steve was Mm. the first wrestle kingdom match Okada versus Kenny. That still holds up. And the shit that they did to each other, that's the other thing, right? Insane. And I feel like Okada was not prepared for this. He went in oh. expecting just, yes, he looked all cute and stuff at the start. <laughs> and he got to that 20-minute mark. He's like, I'm going to kill a motherfucker. And Okada wasn't ready for it. He was laying tables on him, and he was double stomping him and just doing his Kenny stuff. And Okada was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Calm down. Isn't that brilliant? Like, Okada was telling that story just as much as Kenny, if not more. Yep. Okada is like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, easily. And it's because he's consistent. Yes, he's always in the main event. Yes, he wins a lot. But I still feel like he's consistently the unsung hero because he's so good at making other people look fucking amazing. That everyone, whenever anyone has yep. an amazing match with Okada, they're always talking about the other guy and not the other Okada. guy. Yeah, you're right. And it's yeah. like Okada puts a fucking shift in, man. He makes people look amazing like he did with Omega here. Obviously, Omega is amazing and can make himself look amazing on his own. But the magic that those two had together because Okada just elevated Omega so much is mm-hmm. just stunning. O- Okada is just super talented. I, I, could, I couldn't talk enough about how much yeah. I love Okada. He, he's the Ric Flair of our generation, and I don't think that's an understatement in the slightest. It, it, it's pure fact at this point. He was IWGP champion for, what, 720 days or something stupid? Yeah, something that's like crazy. that. you know and and that was okay and he is still iwgp champion now yeah it still feels every time he defends it it feels under threat doesn't it yeah and even though he wins all the time it still feels under threat because of how well he sells his matches yeah and i am okay with him still being champion and yes he's lost it to jay white and kenny omega and we got the brilliant crazy balloon okada for a phase with his long pants yeah balloon okada was fun that was gold. That was pure gold. We can all agree with that. But <laughs> he can get the title back, and that's fine. We all love it. So this match, 
is I, I recently rewatched it. I don't know if it's because I experienced it when it was happening, but it still holds mm. up. But I want to know what happens when you show that match to a non, not a non-wrestling fan, but maybe like uh, someone who has interest in it. Or that's dipped in and out and is familiar with the product, but not really, right? Yeah. I, I'd be interested to see what that kind of reaction is because it it is one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time from storytelling, yep. from in-ring action, from overall story arc. It is the greatest match of the past 10 years i'd even say 20 fuck you and it's difficult to kind of gauge that from someone's outside perspective who isn't um who doesn't live this shit well put it this way i went in i watched it a few days after when all the reviews were out and everyone was talking about it and i still thought it was just as good as what everyone raped and how rare is that to happen too nowadays that is true actually that is true so there you go that can kind of dampen it so Omega takes, uh, well, at least I got till five, two spots in a row. Um, he's had a hell of a decade. And as we kind of wrap up, I'd like to get each, Jesse and Steve, your MVP of the decade. Ooh, interesting. Holy fuck. That's a hard... Well, you know what? You can't... Uh, I'll have to go with the Canadian, Kenny Omega. You know what? I feel bad because um who i'm gonna say we haven't actually talked about today he hasn't been he's not in any of these matches but i still feel like he deserves it my mvp of the decade is daniel bryan and i say that because of there was obviously his wrestlemania 30 you know amazingness there was also his retirement there was his comeback and his incredible heel turn i just think that is a pretty fucking impressive decade it is true. And can we very briefly talk about, first of all, The Fiend is the greatest thing going in wrestling at the moment. And yes. the story of whoever he touches changes their character and sends them back. And the fact on SmackDown this past week, we got the American Dragon, Daniel Bryan, back. I, I don't know what they're doing with the storyline. I don't know who's in charge of it. But I, I'm just, I, I can't contain my excitement. It, it is is actually quite cool, isn't it? It is genius what they're doing. It's meta oh. as fuck, and it's brilliant. And um, I'll have to toot our horn, Max, because we called it when we talked about it. They brought out Mr. Rogers, and he wrestled. Go. There we go. Exactly. We, we said um, it on the last show we did together. They should be doing this with Bray Wyatt. Get yeah. rid of the red light. Bring out Mr. Rogers. And there you go. They must listen to the show. Because then the fiend doesn't get stale. So uh, you're exactly. Welcome. You're welcome. I think those are, those are solid choices. And there's, Who's oh, yours? Oh, fuck you. I was going to hope to avoid that. <laughs> it's so difficult to, to it kind, is. Of, kind of pick. I'd even put John Cena up in that conversation. What a decade that guy has. Chris Jericho, another guy. Chris Jericho. Yeah, great kind of, shout. He's had a good decade. Um, you know, all, all of these guys have had such a stellar 10-year run um, from their career. And we could do so many podcasts on this of, you know, moments, matches. and I know, right? We scratched the surface barely. We've had, we've been, for all the negativity, and this is what I want people to take away from this episode, for all the listeners who have all the negativity towards wrestling and the WE product or the wrestling product in general, the past 10 years have produced some absolutely phenomenal matches, moments, even year spans of fantastic wrestling so it's not all doom and gloom yes we have some dark patches but there's some really fantastic stuff out there and it's worth sticking with just to kind of get those moments of greatness as we've discussed in this podcast that make you go fuck i love wrestling exactly you said it best 
Oh. Has been good. Has been, it's easy to get lost in the present and it and think, oh, um, rest is a bit shit at the moment. But if you think about recent years and stuff, it's it's been quite special. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I I'm not going to do honourable mentions this evening because I feel like we're going to be here all night. There's a lot of them. I'm kidding. There is. There is. How about this as an honourable mention? NXT done. NXT exactly. Yeah, any any takeover, right? We could go through any card and pick at least one match from each and say this was the match of the decade. Yeah, easily. Any New Japan match with uh, Okada or Tanahashi or Omega. You know, New Japan had a solid four year run of just yeah, they did stellar quality from every single show that they put on. Yeah, and that's fingers crossed for Wrestle Kingdom this year because I'm looking forward to that. As am I, as am I. So we're entering 2020. We're entering the crazy 20s. I'm still going to be watching wrestling. I'm probably going to still be talking about this come 2029, which is depressing as fuck, but also kind of exciting. Maybe Jesse and Steve will be here. Who knows? I'll do my best. I can't promise I'll make it. I thought but... you'd be dead by now. I think, I think you're safe now. Do you reckon? Do you reckon I've... I've come out that i don't know i could i could have a crazy second childhood relapse or something i think that's in your 40s i think i've got you for a good another decade okay cool all right i'll leave it to my 40s until i um until i just lose it again steve's gonna be in his 60s when we do this next time <laughs> hey i'm in my 40s talking about wrestling so how much of a loser am i <laughs> but this is why we love you steve this is this is the bond we formed but uh, it's been fun and I've loved this wrestling journey, so let's see what uh, 2020 brings. And it's Christmas. Let, let's it is Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas, Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas to one and all. Steve. What the fuck? You want me to see? <laughs> yes. What are, you, what are you hoping for the 2020s? That both our podcasts prosper and we could quit our full-time jobs and become rich millionaires rich millionaires i love it jeffy <laughs> predictions for the 2020s um just any any predictions um i think um i think dwayne the rock johnson is going to be the next president um i think that you, you our podcasts are gonna thrive as steve says and um i feel like but i feel like that won't even matter because our love will grow and that's the real that's the real beauty of the 2020s. Beautiful. My prediction by 2021, Jesse's fame and pointless would have reached a pinnacle point. Uh, he would have died of a terrible drug overdose. Uh, <laughs> many, many children behind in his way. Thousands of deaths. Steve then becomes the permanent co-member of Got Till Five uh, until I can't cope with the death of Jesse and I do a Benoit. <laughs> That's my nice. show, everyone. <laughs> That sounds good to me. That's a strong, strong finish. And I will, and in your honor, I will do my best to spread my seed as much as possible before my death. That is all I ask of you. Thank you so much for listening. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Please plug your shit one last time. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, under Finger Styles, and look out for everything that's upcoming. Uh, that's pretty much it. I don't really care about anything else. It's been a blast. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all. And to all, a good night. Excellent. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us for these past couple of years with the Got Till 5 podcast. We hope you join us in the 2020s. Until next time, my name is Max Curden. He's Jesse Benz. I am love Jesse you. Benz. Good night. Bye. Merry Christmas. Love you all. Bye. Hashtag fuck you, Jesse. <laughs> 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 <laughs>